This episode of A Gentleman's Cough Law Podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Shaving and Audible.com. You are listening to The Gentleman's Cough Law Podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be on my way. Well, I still got time to save my reputation. Time to go day drinking. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Scoff Law Podcast, your podcast for the rebel and the renaissance man. I'm your host, Jordan Crowder, and with me in person is Donovan Fowler, and joining us from the great white north is Johnny Boy. What's up? <laughs> you guys doing? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Let's yeah. start off with a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, I am smoking my Stanwell um, brushed pipe, and in it, I've got uh, some, that's uh, what they call a Lane BCA, which is a Black Cavendish blend. Would I don't you- know why I'm enunciating like Black Cavendish, and my wife's texting me. Sorry about that. I should not have my fail. phone on. Fail. Podcast fail. <laughs> so unprofessional, Jordan. Later on on the show, we'll have uh, Gerald Morgan Jr., um, Samal Yeh extraordinaire um from he's he he owns the the website simplified wine and he's uh done some videos for art of manliness on uh learning about wine so he's he's a fun guy you sound like you're on npr right now like a fun guy on npr <laughs> very, later very, on very, 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 we got fun. Wine. Very, very fun wine with gerald morgan jr that's this was about his sweaty balls this is <laughs> AS. What's the name of those things? Those 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 YouTube videos where it's like uh, where they do the ASM videos or whatever. It's like now this is my nails on the mic. <laughs> what no, do you listen I'm to? Now I don't know. I'm, yeah, I don't know what I'm you're pumping a bag. <laughs> I don't know what you're you're into on YouTube. <laughs> Weird subreddits. Anyway, you, would, you and hot asshole so like out animals. there. That's what she oh, said. Oh no. Oh no. Uh anyway, how was your guys this week? Oh, not bad. I just finished off my uh a tall glass of organic 2% cow milk. You you lead a charmed life, my friend. <laughs> I do. It's the highlight of my day. <laughs> How about you, Donovan? Uh, it's been a good week, man. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, celebrating American freedom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I actually, I got on Skype on 4th of July and read uh, read about the Battle of Saratoga. On which Skype? Is a, uh, yeah. Is that a tradition you or do no, with I'm your sorry, family? No, I'm sorry. It's a Google Hangout, I guess, technically. Oh, yeah. But, um, no, it wasn't a tradition. It was just like my family wanted to, like, Skype, and then we were like, "What can we do to celebrate the fourth? And I was like, "Let's read about the Battle of Saratoga." And it's kind of like kids when they get walkie-talkies. <laughs> what, what do we do with these things? <laughs> you want to prank? Uh, you want to prank your mom and act like we're God? No, um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's actually a very badass battle to talk about on the fourth mm-hmm. of July, despite okay. being actually in the fall. But whatever. Um, but yeah, I would, I would encourage all of our listeners to do some research. Benedict Arnold did a did a great job in that, but of course okay. later he uh, he didn't do so well. So I don't, I don't get these references. What you don't know, Benedict Arnold? I don't know who that is. Come on, no, are you yanking my chain right now? <laughs> it doesn't Canadians. have anything to do with Canadian. He invaded Canada with Ethan Allen. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Come oh, on. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I, anyways, I, I, anyways, <laughs> point being, good week. Uh, happy fourth. Uh, belated, but you know belated we did that fourth. on the last episode yeah, as well. Last episode. Now you're now you're putting us a week behind. I'm sorry, what are you thinking. Um, yeah, I um, I had an interesting thing uh, this last week. I went to um, this is this is as, as nerdy as I get. I guess I went to the Los Angeles Pipe Club, which is you know that's the, we've talked about on the show. A group of great guys, yeah, great guys, um, and uh, we meet uh, every third Sunday at three p.m. at uh, Vertigo Bar. In one of the oldest bars in Los Angeles, but um, right next to us, this last uh, meeting, um, you think that a group of uh, of uh, you know pipe smokers is weird. There was a fidget spinner society, and um, they were all grown grown ass men. Um, Some of them were bronies, no doubt. <laughs> grown ass men <laughs> sitting around a table. And uh, they had like these pelican cases, which uh, for those of our listeners oh, who don't man. know what they are, they're like these tough like gun we cases that you it, use for yeah, cameras and stuff in the industry. We use it to transport very expensive film equipment so it doesn't break. And inside there were just a bunch of all these, these collection of sp- fidget spinners, which I, you know, I didn't know was a thing until, you know, about a month ago. It's, um, so it's like this little thing that you spin around in your fingers. We actually got, we got introduced to one. Uh, by the kid at the uh, Big Shave West. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. he came up to us, and, and I think that was the first time I ever encountered one. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's... What are you going to say, John? When are you supposed to be spinning these things? I see people do it on the bus, uh, standing, waiting for their kids. I mean, w- w- what's the appropriate time? No, no, it's like it's like pizza on a bagel. You can have it anytime. So, you know, <laughs> DMV, you know, you're waiting in line at the DMV, you're, you know, you're at school, you're, you know, a first date, whatever. Well, they say it's supposed to calm you down, but I don't see how that works. Unless, like, maybe you've got a mental disorder, but it's, you well, know, I, I mean, it, that's what I was going to say. one of those in your hand, it, you suddenly become a special kind of retard. It's, <laughs> it does sound like something that, uh, Ben Affleck's character from The Accountant needs, you know, or would have in that movie. Rain Man. Pick up a um, book. <laughs> um, but yeah. that, that's so bizarre because, like, also, I guess uh, Vertigo Bar is just seems to be the place for these societies because I don't see like any other societies unless it's secret societies congregating at other bars well it was weird because one time we were we were booked on the same society uh, not same society same day as uh, Pink Sabbath which is um, I remember that um, which is a drag queen a disco drag queen uh, day that they have there which was so funny because it was like this juxtaposition of these these pipe smokers salty old these traditional steel yeah. pipe smokers and then drag queens and 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 for like just a total stereotype there's this one that's clearly everyone's there to see that's that i guess has got some some a cult following rupaul's younger brother <laughs> maybe uh singing it's <laughs> lip syncing to it's raining men and just uh, going around the whole place uh you know flirting with the pipe smokers and it just was it was it was it was a fun time <laughs> Interesting time. That's a word for it. An interesting time. <laughs> we but, have yeah. different definitions of fun, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? Everyone got along and it was super cool. They're like, yeah, we don't care. You it's guys want to do this for over here. Just turn down the disco. That's the most offensive <laughs> thing about it. It's a free country. Yeah, haven't but, you heard? But uh, yeah, so these guys, apparently some of these fidget spinners go for like several, several grand 
Some of the ones these guys had, that's why they had them in these Pelican cases. And our pipe smoking uh, club is people from all different ages. You got people in their 20s, and yep. then you got really old, like, guys that have been doing it for years. And one of the older guys goes over, and <laughs> I went over with them, and there's this one guy, like, showing him what they do, what they do, and he's like, so what do I do with this? He goes, you just flick it, man. And he's like, and, like, is there anything else that it does? He's like, No. Like he knew, like it was just such a crappy hobby. Do you have one? He didn't even put up a fight. Do you have one of a dog chasing its tail? Because <laughs> I, I feel like that's pretty much it. Um, uh, oh, you know what that is? Earthquake. No, no. You know what that is? A surprising new segment called Stump the Self-Loathing Canadian. John, we have a new segment for you. Um... And uh, that's this what the segment surprise. is today. This I'm is a surprise. Scared. John doesn't know about this. We just threw this out on him. Um, today we're gonna we're gonna put you through a little quiz, a little test to see how well you know um, the great prime minister uh, Justin Trudeau. Um, <laughs> Questionable on <and> great. <laughs> <laughs> which which we know is your favorite prime minister out of all of them. Oh come um, on now. I mean, <laughs> well it's funny. Like like as as uh, when 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 Trump got elected. Here you heard a lot of like Americans saying, "Oh, I'm moving, I'm moving to Canada," and I remember saying, "Yeah, Canada is a lot of fun, but you know, that prime minister is this, you know, this uh, rich self entitled prick that says a lot of uh, stupid crap." And like, <laughs> what? And I'm like, yeah. So it's really, you're really gonna end up <laughs> going from an apple to an orange, <laughs> apple to an orange, and they both have the apple same to buff. an asshole. <laughs> or, or, or an orange to an apple, depending on how you say Trump. And uh, so, and they both have the first three letters. Maybe is that a thing? Is that a thing? Conspiracy theorists. What do you mean? In their last name, T R U. Um, oh, that's a good point. Anyway, so this Maybe. this test that we're going to give you, this quiz, is called "Who Said It: Justin Trudeau or Derek Zoolander?" So we're going to read you a handful of quotes, and you have to tell us if the Prime Minister of Canada said it or the fictional Ben Stiller character. That's a male model <laughs> in the movie Zoolander. Oh, this is going to end so badly. Uh, okay. <laughs> so let's start. The first question is, I don't read the newspapers. I don't watch the news. If something important happens, someone will tell me. Justin Trudeau or Derek Zoolander? Oh, my God. It, it's Trudeau. so dumb. It's got to be Zoolander. All right, let's try it here. All right, let's Zoolander, and it was Justin Trudeau. Wrong, oh, man. First incorrect answer. All right. Uh, Sad. He said it in sh on the Sherbrooke record, February 26, 2001. That's what it says. It, this is a fact-checked quiz, which oh, is kind of boy. interesting. All right. Uh, this one says, how can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? <laughs> Trudeau or Zoolander? <laughs> I don't know what the context is, but I'm going to have to go Zoolander again. All right. I think that's a pretty obvious one. Yes, correct. Okay. That is Zoolander. All right. The next one says, I can do anything I want, and there is nothing I want more than to be a teacher and maybe create more people like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so arrogant. It's got to be my friend, my prime minister. <laughs> Let's oh, see, man. Trudeau. 
ding, ding, yes, ding, ding, ding. he said it uh. in the Globe and Mail on February 3rd, 2001. <laughs> right. Well, at least these are, you know, a while ago, a decade and a half at least. So. <laughs> that, Maybe that's he's grown up. That's something. Um, all right. The next one says, I want people to know how funny I can be. Justin Trudeau or Derek Zoolander? This is a hard one. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Zoolander again. Oh, and you were right. That was Zoolander. All right. I was going to say that could be Trudeau. All right. One of the big things people are surprised with is how down to earth I am. <laughs> That's Zoolander such a humble Trudeau. brag. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm afraid it's Trudeau. All right, let's see. I hope not. And it's Trudeau. You oh. said it on CTV. When? Uh, uh, April 29th, 2007. Oh, it's getting more recent. I know. Right. <laughs> Next question. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm, I think I can get this one, but it says, moisture is the essence of wetness, and wetness is the essence of beauty. <laughs> I, I'm really hoping that's Zoolander. <laughs> it is Zoolander. Okay. Good, good for you. Although there's Zoolander. no guarantee that Trudeau never said that while rubbing baby oil on himself. <laughs> True. All right. Okay, here's another one. How do I prove that I know, tell your friend that they're full of shit. Can you, can you repeat <laughs> let, the question? Let me reiterate let me that. Reiterate. It's, how do I prove that I know, tell your friend that they're full of shit. Still not, still not intelligible, the, but. Yeah, that Zoolander. Please. All right. No, it's Justin Trudeau, and it's from 2013. Oh, my god! It's probably gosh. while he was running for prime minister. All right. And he said it on Twitter. <laughs> I thought, here's the thing. I thought that that quote was just like he said something in an interview, and then, like, the punctuation's off. Right. But this is his own tweet. <laughs> he probably and the funny thing is Zine probably had people check that. <laughs> he probably had his entourage. He passed around his entourage while they were in a in a haze of weed smoke and said, Hey, what do you think? Uh what do you think of this? It's oh, okay, man. it's okay. He's only in charge of the country. Does Prime do, do Prime like does Canada have like a like a secret like assassin team that's gonna come down and murder us for this? I don't know. They're so secret we won't even know until it's too late. Oh um, man. All right, uh, this one says, I won the birth lottery. <laughs> <laughs> it's applicable to both, so, oh, boy. Zoolander, please. Oh, no. Oh, it, was, oh, it, was, oh, God. it was Trudeau. Trudeau. He could be talking about, you know, he was born with a great dad who was also a prick. Next question. <laughs> at least at least he got creative with uh, the whole white privilege thing. <laughs> yeah, at least he did. All right. Uh, I'm just a regular guy. I mean, I wake up in the morning. I put on my shoes. I walk my dog. No, no, Zoolander. <laughs> he doesn't walk his own dog. You're right. Wait, is that really a quote from Zoolander? It is a quote from Zoolander. Oh, man, I was really hoping Trudeau. I was just imagining Trudeau, like, naked in shoes, walking a dog in the, in the cold. I don't want to, actually, oh, I don't want to imagine no, that. No, don't imagine that. that. Um, uh, all right. We have to rethink elements as basic as space and time to go all science fiction-y. Oh, boy. It's a special kind of stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Zoolander. Right. Oh, nope. it was Trudeau, oh, and he said it as recent years ago. as he was almost prime minister. 
Wow. Uh, this would have been during can- his campaign. On my grandma's birthday three years ago. Wow. How dare he? Oh. Son of a bitch. All right. Next question. <laughs> Words can only hurt if you try to read them. <laughs> it's gotta That's be, very... This has got to be Zoolander. It's very much like the quote, if you kill their enemies, they win. <laughs> <laughs> very much. Yeah. But let's see. Yeah, it's Zoolander. Uh, All right. That must be from the sequel. Maybe. I don't uh, know. Well, this this quiz, I think, is a little older than the sequel, but we could be wrong. All right. One of the big difficulties for me has been all my life, I've been an international traveler. <laughs> One of his greatest uh, difficulties <laughs> is having been an international traveler. Jet, jet lag is a bitch. <laughs> is it that hard to step onto a plane? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I guess Trudeau. All right, let's see. And yes, it was Trudeau. He said it in uh, Toronto on March 27th, 2014. What does that mean? All right, (laughs) we're going to get the results here. All right, drum roll. Let's see what the score was that John got for the quiz. Oh, you got 75% right. Wow. 75%. Nobody wins at this game. I don't know wins. How do you win at this game? Because it's against a so fictional character you, and a moron. You got a C on this, John. A story of my life. <laughs> All righty. Um, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with Gerald Morgan Jr., sommelier extraordinaire of Simplified Wine. Now, this segment is brought to you by Audible.com. And for you, the listeners of the Gentleman's Cough Law podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, Now, they're a great website, and if you like listening to podcasts, you like listening to audiobooks. Um, And again, with this free trial, you can download any title you would like. Um, I would recommend If at Birth You Don't Succeed, written by my good friend and friend of the show, Zach Anner. Um, He's a hilarious guy, and he reads his own audiobook which is rare. So that's a bonus. So download his book today. He's a guest of the show. You can listen to his book for free. Now, audiobooks are great. Um, They work just like, you know, listening to podcasts. If you like listening to podcasts, you like listening to audiobooks. Well, you're sitting there, you know, uh, cooking dinner or uh, you're, you know, at work, uh, you know, typing some emails. Or maybe you're you're stuck in LA traffic like I am, or maybe you're you know it's the weekend and you're just uh, sitting back and uh, doing some uh, Pinterest crafts uh, that you've always wanted to do that you've had there on your board just waiting for you to to, to tackle. Uh, you might as well listen to an audiobook while doing that. And and people don't know that you, you killed two birds with one stone. You made an amazing Pinterest craft, and you listen to the book. Now, I don't know which of our listeners are making Pinterest crafts, but um, there are some pretty manly crafts you can do on Pinterest. So go to audibletrial.com slash gentscofflaw to get your free audiobook download and your free 30-day trial today. You won't regret it. All right, uh, this next guest is going to be a treat. Um, but before we have uh, Gerald on, uh, let's uh, let's we got to do a little bit of housekeeping for this segment. So I am, uh, well, we both are drinking some uh, Charles Shaw uh, 
Uh, good old, old two-buck chuck. I believe chuck, it's called it's a Shiraz, as they say in the business. So let's oh, open Lord. that up. Let's break, let's break and, into this. Uh, yeah, you can open that up. And I am pairing it with um, a, a Slim Jim. Um, and what do you got there, there Donovan? Uh, I have only the finest... Uh, Nacho cheese Doritos. Oh, there you go. So I you couldn't find any fine cheese, so, so I just uh, grabbed, you know, grabbed the nearest. Uh, All right, well, we'll crack that open, and let's bring in uh, Gerald Morgan, sommelier extraordinaire. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely, man. I uh, I now that I know the food pairings, <laughs> I may have technical difficulties. <laughs> so how you doing, man? Oh man, I'm doing great. Uh, doing great. Um, just like I said, enjoying a little thunderstorm here and getting to talk with you guys a little bit about wine. So I'm excited wine. for that. Uh, Slim Jim and uh, Nacho Doritos. That's that's gonna test any sommelier's ability to pair uh, <laughs> to pair wine with food. So and don't forget uh, Trader Joe's uh, fine uh, two two buck chuck. Yeah, there you go. yeah. Hey man, Charles Salk. They, they actually got some game. They make another wine under the K label. Uh, they make a bunch of Grenache and Syrah and you know cab blends that are awesome. So he makes really good stuff at the top end too. Oh really? I was, I thought you were gonna yeah. crap all over it. I wasn't. I was. We were trying to troll well, you here. Actually, that may be <laughs> Charles Smith. So maybe I do get to crap all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it just rebottled stuff? Isn't that the thing? With it the pretty much chuck? is. Yeah, it's like a private label um, yeah. that those guys do. So it's yeah. rebottled uh, spit bucket. Hey, if you uh, like it, it doesn't matter. That's, that's yeah. what wine's all about. Well, let's let's tell our listeners a little bit about you that don't know you. Um, about your background. I mean. I mean, yeah. you were, you played college ball, which is not what a lot of sommeliers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's talk <laughs> well, about that and then how you got into wine. Yeah, so I played college ball at Notre Dame. Go Irish! It's been a bit of a rough uh, couple of years here, yeah. but we're rebuilding. Um, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. I didn't drink actually until I was 26 years old. So I, I made it all the way through Catholic University where the priests drank and, uh, <laughs> I didn't, didn't partake. I think I, I think I did a shot of NyQuil one night, um, yeah. just, just so that I could do something with like 6% proof or whatever it was. Hmm. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I got into the wine business after being a part owner of a NASCAR sanctioned short track in Ohio. So if you thought being a football player was probably not going to lead to being a song, being in the pits of a racetrack, kind of imagine the minor league baseball thing, but for racing, <laughs> it's fantastic people. Don't get me wrong, but it's not exactly the fine dining crowd. Th those are, um, that's more like the Jack Daniels in the plastic that's bottle. Definitely crowd, like Budweiser and Miller. People tend to get in fights. It's the Jets oh, and the Sharks. Miller. Nights. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, when I moved back to uh, to Texas, a, a buddy of mine, I started playing golf and just kind of working at a country club just to get my bearings again in Dallas. And a buddy of mine knew wine really well. I didn't drink. And uh, I was starting ministry school at the exact same time that we decided to strike out and start a wine business. Uh, and I learned wine. I, I tasted, <laughs> I remember tasting all of these wines uh, all the time. One of my vendors would come by just about every other day and taste me on wine. And everything sucked equally, right? Yeah. So sweet wine was terrible. Dry wine was terrible. Big cabs, terrible. Chardonnay, terrible. I mean, I had $500 bottles of wine. I had $5 bottles of wine. Wow. They all were horrible, and I couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. It, uh, it kind of took me six months of tasting to really 
get past the taste of alcohol. And the first wine, I don't really share this with a lot of people, but I'll, I'll tell you guys. All right. <laughs> um, first wine that I don't hold it against me now. Uh, <laughs> the first wine that I liked uh, over 10 years ago now was a Moscato di Asti. Okay. And uh, if you know anything about wine, it's a little sweet, a little effervescent, um, just a little bit of something that kind of was good. And then yeah. it took me another year to really get into big cabs. So, but we, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary in business uh, this last week. Actually. Oh, wow. So well, we, congratulations. Apparently it took. <laughs> so, okay. So what's a big, ca- is it calves? What, what's, yeah, the, what's the word? Yeah. What, what, what exactly so, is it? For the layman, for, for the, so for the, for the hey, uninitiated you know two-buck chuck there's, drinker. There's a reason that I, I try to simplify the wine process. It can be a little overwhelming at times. There's like main varietals or grapes, right? So if you ever hear varietal, that's a grape mm, okay. um, that people tend to make wine out of that are the most popular. Cabernet is, is one of those. It's technically Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, Merlot is another popular one. Chardonnay is another one. It's really funny. When I was interviewing at the country club, um, I didn't know anything about wine, didn't drink at the time. I sat down with a guy um, and he said, hey, name for me five varietals. And I said, five what? (laughs) 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 He said, you know, grapes, you know, like types of wine. I think I got three out and he gave me the job anyway. Um, recommending wine to people was, was probably not my uh, forte there, but uh, uh, later on he was a little jealous that he didn't jump in the wine business with us. (laughs) 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 Like I'm kicking myself 10 years ago. (laughs) It's kind of funny. (laughs) So, so Cabernet, that's, that's the big dog. Everybody likes cab. It's the number one selling style of wine, so to speak. Okay. Well, um, well, I mean, what's the process of, you becoming like a sommelier because I, I mean i don't know if you've seen that movie on netflix the psalm yeah movie. it's a great movie but it seems like it's quite an intensive process like there's a lot of learning involved i mean how, yeah what's that no like? there's 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 a lot of different levels um to be a psalm typically a psalm is somebody who works the floor at a restaurant recommending wines that has some level of certification it can okay. be the entry level um all the way up to master there's typically four levels the guys that you saw in the movie Psalm on Netflix, which is a lot of fun. Um, it's it, even if you don't know anything about wine, it's really cool to see all the crap that they put us through. Yeah, uh, st- <laughs> studying stuff. Yeah. I swear it's like we turn into a beautiful mind, and we have to like draw s- stuff all over the walls, and we got strings going everywhere trying to connect the dots here. Um, but the, <laughs> it's it, it is quite maddening. Um, I've decided I'm not going to go for the master deal at all. Um, <laughs> I value having a social life more than uh, being married to that much studying for that period of time. But um, you can go through uh, the courses. You can actually take a weekend course and take the test, but they only recommend that if you've got at least three years of experience in the industry. So you have a lot of that basic information kind of worked out. So anybody that calls himself a SOM is generally speaking on the floor. I'm a SOM at my place. uh, And one of the reasons is I do everything that SOMs do, except it's more of like a private club kind of atmosphere. So I'm not on a restaurant floor, but very Mm. similar situation there. Okay, cool. Well, do you have any comments on the, uh, I saw a film on Netflix uh, called Captain Phillips, where the sommelier tried to take over the ship. (laughs) You know, uh, we can get feisty sometimes with our uh, wine openers. The knives aren't very big, but they will cut you. Uh, (laughs) And they're blunt, Uh, too. 
and those freighters are very well armed. Well, well, you know, he's you know we're arrogant jerks most of the time, and he wanted to be the captain. I guess we all really <laughs> do. So, um, I guess it kind of, <laughs> I guess it kind of fits. <laughs> Thin fellow, though, he really does need to eat more. Yeah, <laughs> he does. And all that wine really get, uh, affected his teeth. I think um, it did. Yeah, yeah it's, it's sad but true. <laughs> but but I, I recently saw him out and on his uh, judgment. Ho- apparently, I recently saw him all out on uh, Hollywood Boulevard, and he had uh, some Zoom whitening going on. And it looked like he had a, <laughs> had a slick weave. Um, he's he's he's, uh, ah, he's doing better these days. Um, you know that's good. I'm glad to see he moved up in the world. <laughs> um, yeah. So you mentioned like uh, you, you know that that a lot of well you didn't say pretentious, but a lot of people think of like the wine industry as being pretentious. Yeah, um, it is. And so like it's intimidating <laughs> to yeah. So you even admit it. Yep, but um, yep. Lots, so, lot of pretentious it, people. <laughs> it's intimidating. <laughs> (laughs) for like a lot of guys if they're out to dinner or they're at a dinner party or whatever and they're supposed to pick some wine and a lot of guys are just like oh i it seems like i i don't want to make a fool of myself so they they don't really know what to do so i mean do you have any tips for a guy that needs to order wine if he's out on a fancy date well, you know, one of the best things to do, um, it, it really depends on how much you like the date, I guess, um, <laughs> because, because it comes down to effort. If you really don't know, if it's like a first date, then just wing it. But um, if you really if you really like the girl, just trust the psalm. And if there's not a psalm where you're at, I mean, a lot of places don't have psalms, even really nice steakhouses. Um, in, in kind of the DFW area don't always have psalms. And so you really don't know what you're getting. Um, but you can, you can ask for recommendations. You can also call the restaurant, uh, maybe go online even and just check out their wine list, but you can call the restaurant and see if you can get some recommendations from somebody prior to going. That way you look like a hero when you immediately know the wine. Why, why is being able to pick wine like this prestigious thing, right? If you, if you know a ton about beer, you're a frat boy. If you know a ton about liquor, you're an alcoholic, but if you know a ton about wine, you're sophisticated. I, I don't understand yeah. why, why there's this differentiation between the three, but yeah. for some reason, the person that can open the wine book and, and navigate successfully through the maze of confusion that it is, is awarded some prestige at every dinner table. So I yeah. usually, it's a thing. Uh, I usually wow the ladies with my expertise on jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every, we all have our strengths, and you got to play to that. So, uh, <laughs> jelly beans haven't made it into the fine dining scene as a really cool, chic appetizer yet. But just it's wait, coming. just wait. The hipsters will get will get wind of it. <laughs> they did that point. with deviled eggs. I'm like, are you serious? This oh, yeah. is like at every dinner table in the country. You know, like literally the country part. You know, like that's everybody makes deviled eggs. Come on. <laughs> oh, but we put bacon in ours, really. <laughs> It's true. Fantastic. It's, put bacon in it. Good for you. I'll pay eight bucks for four eggs. Awesome. Let's do this. Bacon. <laughs> so, bacon on anything is really good. <laughs> you're, you're right. Maybe I screwed myself there. <laughs> well, it's like you mentioned that, you know, if you order, if you're in the beer, you're a frat boy, or if you're in the liquor, you're an alcoholic. But the truth is all these things now, and maybe it's, it has to do with hipsters and this kind of, this kind of sp- oh, specialized hipsters. culture we live in. Like now that stuff is just as complex as wine a lot of the time in terms of how it long, not maybe not as complex, but in terms, there's so much work that goes into craft beers and and distillation of of spirits and all that stuff it's just viewed differently right now i think the uh the mixologist thing has really changed mixed drinks in restaurants and that's where you can make a ton of money and let's let's just be honest ladies 
you you tend to not drink as much wine as guys. It's just a national statistic that you can look up, and that's fine. Yeah. And so what people were finding is that you know you'd have guys come in and they'd want to get a glass of wine, and the ladies would just su- kind of suffer through a cold white wine, whatever it was, just to be cool. Yeah. But now you have restaurants that are just super focused on all these incredible cocktails. Yeah, and true. it tends to kind of pull the ladies who may have not even had anything to drink that night into it because it's fun. It can have a little bit more fruit. It can have a little more sweetness to it, and it fits different palates better. Um, but beer has always been complex. It's just been it's in the United States for the most part, especially in the South. It's always been these crappy versions of beer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I used Much to like think Tupac I didn't Chuck like is beer a crappy either. version of wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I used to Did think I, I didn't like beer because of that too. You know? Yeah. yeah like... No, exactly. And a lot of people think they don't like wine because they've had really bad wine, yeah. and that that's understandable. It's a little bit more expensive. You know, when you buy wine, you're committing a little bit more money to it than beer. It was, it's really funny. Your brother is the one who got me into beer. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was it was one of those. I don't know why I do this to myself. It sucked equally, too. Like, I hated the taste of beer when yeah. I first started. I can't do anything hoppy. So all you guys that love these super IPAs out there, God bless you. You can take all of them in the world that you want. They suck. <laughs> but I, I couldn't do it. And I had to find stuff that I really liked. And so if I just started out with, like, crappy beer, I'd have been like, ah, beer's terrible. Uh, but it's it became something that I really enjoyed. And um, it just took a little bit of time to kind of figure it out. And he's... He's as much a beer snob, I guess, as I'm a wine snob. Uh, but <laughs> what, I, I, I came the opposite way. I'm used to paying like, you know, I'm in the wine business, so let's just put this out there. I'm not a snob. I'm not rich. But I get to have free wine all the time. So when I buy wine, it better be really good. So yeah. 100 bucks a bottle is kind of a norm kind of thing to buy. And then I go in and I spend $9 on a beer and they're like, oh man, you bought the $9 beer? And I'm like, yeah, it's such a deal. You know how much money I'm saving tonight? <laughs> this is fantastic. I should have come over a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, beer actually, does it play a role in, in like wine tasting? Because I feel like. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> so it, if you ever ask a winemaker out in Napa Valley or any of the you know, really popular places where you can talk to winemakers and get kind of a firsthand view that tell you it takes a lot of great beer to make good wine uh, because your palate just gets fatigued. Those guys taste all the time and they're yeah. tasting wine. I don't know if, if you, if you have never gone out to wine country and tasted wine kind of, you know, prior to it getting bottled, it can be a really interesting experience. That yeah. stuff does not taste good. Most of the time, <laughs> once it gets in the barrel and has had some time, then yeah, it starts to taste, you know, a lot like what it will at the end. But when you first taste it, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea who along the way said, yeah, you know, you give that like eight to 12 months in this wood thing over here and that's probably going to taste good. <laughs> <laughs> not really sure how that yeah, happened, it but it did. Like that would have to, somebody would have to be in it for the long con for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to be exactly. able to we discover this, that. We got this old grape juice over here. Let's just throw it in the barrel and sell it to Billy. Yeah. <laughs> the Sting 3 is aged. What? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so it's, uh, but it, it beer kind of acts like scrubbing bubbles on yeah. your palate too it's kind of nice yeah um, and it gives you a different flavor profile than wine so a lot of beer gets consumed and you're starting to see tons of breweries out in places in california um up around wine country that, yeah. that people really like just a little bit something different instead of just wine all the time yeah so, i was uh, at uh the brewery in uh, ventura 
which is kind of where wine country just starts a little bit around there. But they yeah. uh, they had the Anacapa Anna Brewery, I think it was. It was actually really good. We had a good time. Um, yeah. But you yeah. guys are apparently you know doing all kinds of stuff out. You're diversifying with the pot. <laughs> Oh yeah, and, uh, <laughs> everything else. We can't hire enough people to work the freaking grape harvest because they're making three times as much money to go pick the freaking weed plants. Oh my gosh, that's insane! I feel like though I could be wrong about this, and I, you know, people might get give me flack, but I feel like the weed uh, consumer is not as discerning as the wine <laughs> consumer. How dare you say that? How dare you? <laughs> If there are, are weed moliers out there all over the place that are well, well, that the, are recommending the finest blends. Well, the, the funniest thing is, like, I'll like before this the law passed, uh, you know, in the last few months or whatever it was, we got voted on in, in November. Um, I I was down at Venice Beach uh, for a shoot, and there was this like basically it's set up to look like. You know, it's a dispenser. What do you call it? Dispensary? What is, I, I'm showing my yeah, naivete. Dis- dispensary, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, dispensary, yeah. A dispensary. And uh, it's got not the red cross. It's got a green cross on it. It's down on the boardwalk of the beach. And then there is this guy in green scrubs on an iPhone <laughs> covered in tattoos <laughs> with some dreadlocks. Yep. And he's the one that you go to uh, for your medical advice. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'd do that. <laughs> not at all. Come on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really funny. It's when I went on a uh, trip last year to Washington state, I get to go out again on Sunday, which is awesome. Cause they have great, great, great wine out there. I'm a big Washington fan. That'll be a, a key point in a minute when I tell you kind of how to buy great wine at a good price on a wine list. But yeah. the, uh, it was really funny. You could tell like all these guys from the East coast where I don't think there's a state within a thousand miles of them that is even considering making weed legal, um, pot, whatever the cool term is for it. And so we're we're driving around doing all these tastings. Like, Hey dude, can you stop by the dispensary? That'd be fantastic. (laughs) So we're making these dispensary runs. Oh my gosh. Like, Oh my gosh. They're like buying all this, you know, there's, there's, they're looking at it. Like it's the same kind of thing as wine. Like there's all these different blends. How high do you want to get? Do you want to no. forget who you are for an hour or do you just want to be really happy? Like yeah. <laughs> all these weird things. I'm like, well, okay, go for it. I guess well, it's like, legal here. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, pipe tobacco is the same way. Like, I mean, that's someone I got into in the last couple of years, but you yeah. realize like there are different kinds of leaves, different kinds of ways they're cured type of ways yeah. they're aged. And then their case, like there's so much that goes involved that's involved in it. And that's more illegal here than weed. Like the, the laws here <laughs> against, any tobacco consumption or sales oh, is so much more stringent. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love California. Yeah, I love you guys, bitch. <laughs> Just, I mean, come on. Oh, Jeez. No. Life isn't really that hard, is it? No, it doesn't need <laughs> the to be. Tea leaves. It's like I joke, I joke around stuff. about it. Like if you ever want to know what the law is in California for something, just think of what whatever the most fun thing would be and just know that it's the opposite. <laughs> that's, that's What's works. the most logical way we can yeah. do this? Okay, do the exact opposite of that. We're going to get more tax revenue that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, what are you going to do? Hey, what it's a beautiful do? place. I will give you that. Every time I go, I uh, I envy it in the, the 
fairly flat plains of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have much elevation other than garbage dumps. Well, yeah, especially you know. where you come and visit, where you're out in wine country all the time. That's oh, like, I get to see the best. Yeah. Just yeah. the most beautiful places out there. So, but you'd probably not deal with as many of the ne'er do wells that we do over in the, in the Southern <laughs> California. You know, I do spend some time usually in San Francisco and I get my fill in about three or four hours and I get the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> I get across the Golden Gate Bridge as fast as possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but uh yeah so let's let's talk about like we kind of got off in the weeds and that's all right but like so if somebody is or <laughs> no no pun intended or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no pun intended uh if if you are ordering something off a wine list and there's no sommelier i mean what's yeah, how yeah. what's a good like like what's like a good uh bang for your buck you know you're getting something yeah. decent but not looking like a fool with your pants on the ground yeah well, you don't want to do that, especially on a first date at the beginning of the date. That's probably <laughs> a little too gutsy. All right. A little too um, bold. No, yeah, it's, it's a little bit. Then, out then there. again, but it depends on how well the date is going. <laughs> well, it depends. It's like if this is an eHarmony date, probably not. If it's a Bumble or a, you know, Tinder, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you, know, you never know. Um, Just no, like there I, are I different the, varietals of wine, there are different varietals of dating. Yes, I once... I once saw a commercial real quick. Sorry, this is way off topic. No, I once saw right. a commercial for like a hookup app, like on TV, regular, you know, TV. I'm not watching anything on tour or anything. And it's <laughs> just like, to be clear. if you're just looking for a good time and want to know if people are around you, I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> people do that? Oh, man. I still oh crack gosh. up at the, ridiculous. Uh, at the late night, like Russian calling service or whatever. It's all yeah, about the comedy, yeah. comedy central and stuff. It's like, what, when was this commercial made? And how, did, how, how did they keep running it? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, that's like the one you're like looking dirty. at is now 47 years old and doesn't look anything like this. Yeah. <laughs> is there a return for, policy? It's for dirty old men that have never discovered the internet. My rule of thumb is whoever you're seeing a picture of, you're going to end up beating sea bass from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> wow, we cannot it is, stay it is on topic crazy, to yeah. save Anyway, our lives. so back to wine. <laughs> just drink more wine and that person will be beautiful. She's definitely a four-glass date. You know, <laughs> you just kind of do the categories there. One glass, not so much. You need two or three more until it's going to be a good date. Uh, no, uh, drink responsibly, of course. But if you're looking for a good value, if you're looking at a wine list and, and you're really in the weeds and you don't really understand kind of what you're doing, there's a couple of things that you can do. One is keep it simple. Don't look for something French that you can't even pronounce, much less know what it tastes like. So let's just eliminate that. Okay. Stick with California or Washington. Uh, Washington, a lot of times, it's either going to be appellated as Washington State or Columbia Valley. Those are the okay. two most dominant uh, kind of appellations that they've got or, or, or you know, things that they're going to put on the bottle to kind of tell you where it's from. Okay. Um, that, that'll help you. Typically, they're the best value wines. They may not be the most expensive wines on there, but you know, you you would pay two to three times the same, uh, two to three times the price for the same quality of wine out of Napa. Okay, it's all land prices and grape prices. So if you're paying, you know, twenty thousand dollars a ton, you're basically going to have to sell that bottle for about two hundred bucks uh, to make money on it as a winery. So okay. if you're paying three thousand dollars a ton. Um, you obviously can sell that for 30 and make money. And some of the most expensive vineyards in Washington state are around five or $6,000 a ton. It's probably gone up a little since then. Okay. But that's a pretty good average. The average, the absolute average price, I'm sorry, not the, not the average, the lowest price 
in Napa Valley is 5,000 a ton. Okay. So the cheapest crappy Napa Valley <laughs> appellated wine you can get versus one of the best wines you can get, you can see kind of the price comparison there. So always go with Washington state for value. If you're looking for something really good and you don't know anything about Washington, most people don't have a really extensive Washington list. They'll have a handful. Chateau Saint-Michel is one that a lot of people will have on their list. It's pretty solid most of the time for, okay. for kind of the novice who just wants a good, decent wine. But Napa Valley is a great place to go to. You're going to pay more for it, yeah. but it's a safe bet. Napa okay. Valley Red is most of the time going to be good. So you're pretty safe there. Okay. Um, and I've heard that if you, uh, if you like, I don't know if this is true or not, but if you're looking at a menu and uh, you don't want to be a cheapskate, you should go for the second cheapest wine. Is that a thing? <laughs> that is a thing. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> is, is if you don't want to be the cheapest little guy in the room, you know, uh, yeah, again, this, this all depends on where you pick the date up. Yeah. Um, what dating app here now, you can, you can, uh, so I'll give you, I'll give you kind of a little story here. Right. So yeah. most of the time, I mean, let's just, let's just put this out there. You're going to get screwed one way or the other. <laughs> it's probably not going to be the girl that does it, but it's the <laughs> restaurant. It's definitely, they're scoring. <laughs> um, and, and, and you may just need to get used to that. The pants down thing really does work at the minute you walk into a nice steakhouse with a date. Um, but <laughs> here, just not the way you would hope that it would work. Um, so when you buy a glass, glass of wine, um, typically that glass costs as much as it costs them to buy the bottle. So if you spend 10 bucks for a glass of wine, they paid $10 for the bottle of oh, wine. Wow. Right. And so they, they do that because one, they're going to charge a little bit higher markup and two, they have waste. So they'll open a bottle and they may only pour two glasses out of it. By the time somebody orders it again, if it's not super popular, then it could be bad. And so they got to throw it away. Right. Okay. So you're getting screwed there. The, the best thing to do is to go one or two levels up from there, typically the second or third level, which is only like 12 and $13. Okay. Um, so because then you're, you're getting something again, remember you're still getting screwed, but you're getting screwed less. You're going <laughs> to like it a little bit more <laughs> because the bottle usually costs them at that 12 to $13 price range. It usually costs them somewhere around like 15 to 16 or $20 a bottle. Okay. That's typical. It's not across the board, of course. I know there's some wine buyer out there listening to this right now cursing um, because I'm generalizing, but it's pretty close. Okay. So always go to that second level. Don't ever, dear Lord, don't ever say, give me the house red or house white. <laughs> that thing costs them four bucks a bottle and they're selling it to you for eight to $10 a glass. <laughs> oh, so gosh. don't ever, don't ever do that. Just, to, you know, literally, if you've got to choose between that and just pointing randomly after you've closed your eyes at the menu, do that. <laughs> You'll end up better off. <laughs> well, is there a way? For, so, like, say a lot of guys are in the, especially like craft beer these days or even whiskey. Is there a, like a, a, an equivalent, like in terms of what their beer palette or what their whiskey palette would be, like what kind of wines they might like? Because that might be a way to kind of try things. Because let's be honest, like, Buying a bottle of wine is kind of a, a gamble, right? Because, I mean, you it don't is, know yeah. what it's going to be like at, well, until you – and then you've got a whole bottle you don't like if, you, if it's no good to you. Well, so here's what I would say, and you guys would probably support me with this. Always support local. When you go and buy wine, there are always going to be places that – you know, like gigantic supermarkets and big wine retailers um, that are, you know, in you know, tons of state. Total wines probably out there everywhere. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with those places, but if you've got a mom and pop wine shop around, they're probably going to have a better idea of what you would like and be able to give you a little bit of guidance. And really, it only takes a handful of times, and then you feel pretty comfortable with navigating through a wine list. 
okay. uh, working with somebody like that. So do that. But the, it, the big thing, I don't think there's a lot of carryover between beer and liquor. And here's why you need to get more general than that. Okay. Because liquor, liquor, you can get some of the same kind of things, but really the questions as a Psalm that I would ask you is, do you drink coffee? Okay. You know, somebody's like, oh yeah, I love coffee. Okay. You tend to like things that are a little bit more bitter, right? I'll ask you questions that lead me to flavors. Okay. Now I don't necessarily know everything about every beer flavor or every, you know, form of liquor. <laughs> if you like scotch, well, I can't exactly pair you with a PD wine. There's not many out there that yeah. I know, <laughs> you know, so oh, man, it doesn't really do me, do me much good. <laughs> right. There, there you go. There's a new business for you right there. Somebody's <laughs> going to make peat wine and it's going to suck just like PD Scotch does. <laughs> so, I mean, who wants to drink something that smells like a Band-Aid? God. Uh, <laughs> is that is that one of the terms you use when you're when you're when you're uh, oh, gosh. tasting wine? You can Some use all kinds of terms of Band-Aid. <laughs> Of sweaty Band-Aid. Yeah. Notes, yeah, there's, we've done some funny tasting notes. I can't quite say them all out loud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's, that's the thing, too. Wine is such a, uh, a mysterious kind of business. Like, there's this, there's a barrier between you and the wine, and that's typically us. We're yeah. the people that write the tasting notes and tell you what you should think about a wine. And it's kind of like, you know, group think. Well, if if these guys all think that this wine is good, then it must be good. And if I don't like it, it must just be me. Um, and really that's not the case at all. Wine is a very individual personal experience. And so whatever you taste is actually what you taste. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not crazy if you're like, huh, this tastes like cheese enchiladas. I've actually had that happen before, but I, <laughs> I, Especially I, I told him, I was like, it, look, right? it's got this oily kind of cheesy kind of, this reminds me of enchiladas. And a lot of times it's just hints of something. So it's not yeah. these big overt flavors. Yeah. Just go with it. If that's what you taste, it's what you taste. And if you like it, great. Keep drinking. If you don't, don't. Yeah. Are you sure you weren't? Easy as that. Uh, are you sure you weren't eating Doritos with the uh, with the wine at that point? Because I'm getting you know, the exact I, uh, same thing on this end. Yeah. Well, you're you're one. You're you're eating the wrong Doritos. By the way, everybody knows that Cool Ranch is the best. Hey, you know um, what? And two, you're you're drinking crappy wine. <laughs> it doesn't even cost. It doesn't even cost two dollars anymore. I guarantee you paid four bucks for that. It's a Wednesday night, okay, in Glendale. Come on. Well, it's funny. Slim pickings. It's funny that you say that. What you taste is what you taste. Which it's like people get get snobby that way with food. Like, oh, how come you don't like yeah. olives? You don't like olives? Or for me, like. Like, uh, I've had this argument before, even with Lacey, where it's like, um, I don't like fish. And, I, and I've and i tried many times to like it. But to me, fish, all fish either, uh, to me, tastes, and I mean literally like this. I don't mean like this figuratively. It tastes like garbage, like the way garbage smells to me or antifreeze. Yeah. Like, that's what fish yeah. reminds me of. And I'm like, that's not going to oh, change. you just haven't that's... had it well prepared. That yeah, must that... be the case, yeah. you know. Or you just have I, I hate olives, so I'm right there with you, brother. You said it. I'm like, yes, a brother in arms. You just haven't had the right olives. Really? Because yeah. I think they all suck. <laughs> well, I actually really love olives. I think you misunderstood uh, me there, but uh... <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, come on. I hate we, olives. We, we don't. Bro, we, yeah. Thank you. I went out on the limb and you started sawing. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I no, oh, but I geez. get it. Like, I'm never gonna like force someone. Like, what do you mean you don't like olives? It's like, no, I get it. I don't like some things, and it, it rubs me the yeah. wrong way. But <laughs> well, and and that's that's the thing too with wine. Something can be varietally correct. It can actually taste like it should. It can be fine. Like there's no damage to the wine. There's no spoilage. There's no, 
I, I, I hate to say this word, but taint. <laughs> yeah, wine, wine can become tainted, so, but not not in that way, obviously. And that's another um, one of your tasting notes, the description. Well, yeah, it's a little Fumunda cheese, you know. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So all of those things can can be uh, can be there, and you can still not like the wine. You can yeah. still say, "Hey, this this is just not my wine." So. Um, I'm, I'm not in and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So, you, you know, you'd said a minute ago that wine, buying wine uh, by the bottle is a commitment. You're right. You get four glasses of wine, um, roughly depending on who's pouring and depending on how big a glass you have, <laughs> we do sell glasses that you can fit an entire bottle in that are very popular. You just say, I just had one glass of wine, Ossifer. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but you you can buy half bottles. You can buy what's called splits, which will you know it's one eight sevens, and so they're they're literally one glass and okay. bottle. That's typically you know cheap white wine, cheap red wine. But go to wine tastings. Uh, the most the best thing that you can do is just actually go and taste the wine and not read somebody's note on it. Not necessarily look for a score. But again, that local wine shop or wine dinners are a great value. Typically, you get a pretty good meal. You get a lot of wine for the money. Um, so those are, those are pretty good things to do just to get an idea of what you like, even if you're not really big into wine, but you want to learn a little bit about it. Yeah. Just do that. Just go taste wine. Um, don't, don't make it a pretentious experience. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of myths surrounding, surrounding wine. I think a lot, or like yeah. you said, it's kind of mystical or you don't, you know, there's a mystery to it that a lot of people are, are afraid of. I mean, when you see like, are there... I mean, can you really? I, I've I've seen this article floating around on the internet where they say that some of the experts do these tests, they do these tastings, and they they can't know the difference between a really cheap one and a really good one. Like, there's one where they like they dyed a white wine and told them, and they yeah, blindfolded. I don't no. like. Is that true? Like, <laughs> like I feel like there's I feel like there's like a balance between you know oh there's there's some stuff you you can really discern, and then some of that other stuff seems like can you really pick out the year and what what farm it was made on? <laughs> Is that possible? <laughs> okay, so first of all, it's a vineyard, sir. It's not a farm. <laughs> what Check farm yourself. were you raised on? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? I yes, you can, and you can. I would okay. challenge. I would. I would be open to anybody trying to do this on me. I would say that there is just about no way on God's green earth. That if you are a psalm worth anything, that you would be fooled by a Chardonnay that's been dyed okay. to, to be red. I mean, obviously, you if if you knew going in um, that like you're doing a blind tasting, a lot of times they actually make glasses that are completely um, opaque. They're black uh, oh, yeah. painted glasses, so you can't see inside the glass. And so it's a true tasting. So you're just doing a sensory experience. The, the elements of the wine, the things that you're looking for when you're trained to blind taste – um, they're very different. So it's not subtle, okay. the difference between a, a Pinot Noir and a Chardonnay or a, any other red varietal and a Chardonnay or any other white varietal that they may choose to use. Okay. I think somebody can be fooled by it um, for a minute, probably, but I don't think you're going to find Psalms that do this for a living um, often that do that. And if you do, I'd be very curious to see kind of what the parameters were, like what they actually poured yeah. um, to, to make it taste as close as possible. So you can kind of confuse it. But, um, I've done blind tastings myself and I'm, I'm not the best at blind tasting, but I can do it pretty well. I've actually been able to pick out the grape, the year, um, all kinds of stuff about the wine. So you can tell like in 2011 in Napa Valley, just for an example, you had, you had the, the worst kind of 
confluence of events. You had rain late, which is bad, right? You don't mm-hmm. want the grapes to get really plump. You also had a lot of fog that kind of rolled in on the on San Pablo Bay and it didn't go back out. There wasn't enough heat to get rid of it. And so it stayed around. So everything stayed really wet. Um, and so yeah. you don't get ripe fruit. And when you don't get ripe fruit, it tends to have green flavors to it. And so anytime that I taste a cab that has green flavors to it, I immediately assume 2011 Napa Valley. Okay. I could be wrong. Because there's other characteristics that could determine that it's maybe from somewhere else or a different vintage. But anytime I'm honing in on like, yeah, this is cab and it's got a little green note to it, maybe a little bit more than it should because cab can taste like that naturally. Yeah, It tells me that it's probably from there. So those kinds of things can exist. And honestly, from year to year, I mean, this is where it gets a little geeky and you can go out there and do all the research you want. But from year to year, you're tasting a very different wine. Yeah, because it's what Mother Nature gives you. There's some things you can do to mitigate it in certain places, and other places you can't. The French are the most uptight about this <laughs> in the world. <laughs> but then again, they've been doing it since Jesus was walking the shores of Galilee. So I guess two thousand years of experience does pay off to some degree. <laughs> but they they don't allow you to water. They don't allow you to plant certain varietals. They don't allow all kinds of stuff to go on. And in Napa Valley, it's pretty much the Wild West. You want to try it? Go for it. Wow. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. So. Um, you can, you can mitigate some of those issues, but you've got vintages from France where, I mean, you probably would be better off just pouring it down the drain than serving it to anybody. So <laughs> it's really that bad. <laughs> yeah. so, I feel like we can be pretentious, me. but it's for a reason. We yeah. have to stay employed. Don't you understand this whole game? <laughs> the minute you guys pierce the veil, we're out of jobs. <laughs> oh man. Right. Well, well, that brings me to like, uh, like talking about pairing things with wine. I mean, is there, is there like a, is there, a, are there rules or like a science to it? Or is it just kind of what your palate likes together? I mean, how does that work? All right. So there's, there's a couple of answers to that. I'm going to give you my answer and okay. I'm going to give you the industry like this. If this interview ever gets out, I'm totally kicked out of any society that I would like to belong to. Of some moms <laughs> Don't worry. Nobody <laughs> listens to our podcast. I, mean, yeah, I feel like I'm Homer, I'm Homer Simpson in that episode where he's driving the truck and it's got this automatic driver and like, yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever seen He doesn't got want this like to, box in it. He totally sitting on the hood, like relaxing. People are watching. Yeah. Trouble, all like, the truck all drivers the don't drivers. want him to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what I'm doing here. This is, this could be bad. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, in general, the industry thing is yes, absolutely. Every single time you pair, it's a very specific thing. And I, I even agree with that to some degree, but for most people, all you're looking to do is have a good bottle of wine in America. We, we treat wine a little bit differently. I mean, what's, what's the first thing that you're handed at a fine dining restaurant? It's not the menu. No. It's the wine list. Yeah. How do you know what you're going to drink until you know what you're going to eat? And so we just, we view wine a little bit differently. We want to make sure that we get to drink the wine that we love and that it doesn't interfere with our food or that it actually does pair somewhat with our food, but it's not going to be a huge miss. In Europe, it's the other way around. You're taking your food and you're saying, what wine will complement this? And so that's a little bit of a different strategy that we have. And I'm fine with that. I think, again, this is whatever you want to do with it. But in general, there's some general rules. If you've got a kind of a light white wine, you don't want to pair it with something that's going to just overrun it. So the whole thing is a balancing act. I want something to either complement this or maybe a dish is super spicy. And I want a wine that kind of cuts into that spice just a little bit and mellows it out. So I get all the flavor that the spice provides, but not the burn. Right. Yeah. So a lot of Chinese food places serve, you know, really good kind of creamy white wines. Yeah. You get some Chardonnays that are in oak or Pinot Grigio sometimes. Um, that's a little bit more acidic, but it still kind of works. Or Sauvignon Blanc, probably Semillon, stuff like that. 
Um, in general with, with steaks and things like that, it, it comes down to the sauce. So if you've just got a steak that's just been prepared, by the way, medium rare, just, just yeah. medium, medium rare. Let's not we, go above that. Let's we, all be civil. We all agree. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you go above that, you should probably not be at the restaurant that you're at. I'm just saying. And you by should, the way, that was me until I got in the wine business. So you, you just get some I, Chuck I guy from Walmart and throw it on yeah, your grill. Let's just, just don't pretend. Okay. <laughs> Save your 30 bucks. <laughs> just Get the meatloaf off the menu if you want, (laughs) but, um, you can pair most reds with steak. It just depends. Like you can get really particular about the cut of meat. So if it's leaner, um, you you may not need quite as big. You can get kind of a subtle, you can get like a Bordeaux or uh, something with a little lower alcohol or a blend or something like that. And if you got a lot of marbling, um, on like a ribeye or something like that, you're going to need a big powerhouse, you know, cab or Syrah or something like that to, to kind of stand up to that flavor that you're getting. So it really just depends on what you get. Generally speaking, white with light dishes, red with heavy dishes. And if you just don't care, that's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, what about chocolate? Can you eat chocolate with wine? Oh my gosh. This Did is it, like, is this it? is like talking oh. politics. Uh-oh. I think you just brought up Donald Trump. That's how polarizing <laughs> this is. Uh, <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, so you, you look this up. I'm not kidding. Uh, you will have people swear up and down. In fact, I was in Napa a few years back and we were doing a blind tasting. I didn't tell there was three, three or four people with me who knew that I was in the wine industry. And there was like six or seven that we had just met up with who set the tasting up for us. And we did a blind tasting and I didn't tell them anything, <laughs> anything about what I did. And I guessed the one that was one of the times where I guessed that it was a 2011 cab from whatever. Um, and the lady like stops like mid thing, like what? And was like, I'm just having a good day and it's okay. It was at Behringer. <laughs> they actually make some phenomenal high end wine that they will tell you, they will swear up and down that Cabernet does not pair well with chocolate. So the rule with chocolate and they're wrong, by the way, they've been around for over a hundred years, but they're silly. Um, <laughs> the rule Typically with cab is that one, you don't use, uh, I'm sorry, with chocolate, you don't use milk chocolate. You've got to use like 70% and above uh, cacao or whatever okay. that cacao. is. It sounds like <laughs> something cocoa, you leave cacao, in a diaper. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, so if you use, excuse me, if you use 70% or above, um, you can pair wine pretty easily with chocolate. In fact, there's, there's all kinds of lint chocolates out there that you can find just about anywhere um, that'll pair really well. You can actually use white chocolate, um, as well to pair with like a Pinot Noir cause it's got that vanilla flavor in it. Um, you gotta get it with a little bit of vanilla to kind of help that out. But, um, typically big cabs, if it's really, really big, you need like much higher percentage of cacao. So it's gotta be a lot more strong chocolate. Again, same process we talked about a second ago. Yeah. You can't run the chocolate over and the chocolate can't run the wine over, okay. but you can do it. We do a, we do a Valentine's day tasting, uh, every year. We actually had to do two this last year because we do a wine and chocolate pairing oh, wow. and we do all kinds of, yeah, you can pair Pinot Noir with it. You can pair and some better than others, but you can still do it and it still tastes good. Some people may just say, ah, oh, I like the chocolate better by itself. <laughs> That's <laughs> totally fine as well. Yeah. Just be careful. Everything in moderation. Otherwise that could be problematic, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you can do it. We've done it with a lot of people. We've done it at a lot of country clubs and everybody loves it. They have a great time and I would say go for it. Just okay. not milk chocolate. That won't work. <laughs> it's not milk chocolate. Well, we, we have a lot of, uh, of followers that are into like uh, fine tobacco, not uh, 
Not, okay. uh, not you know, the Marlboro cigarettes or anything, but like, you know, pipe tobacco, cigars, that kind of thing. And I know cigars are so many different varietals and same thing. With, I don't know if they call it varietals, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, do you have any wow. tips for our, our guys that, that are into that? Like if a lot of them probably, you know, are drinking beer or whiskey when they smoke a, smoke a stogie, but do you have anything that you would recommend in terms of wine for them? <laughs> Just keep doing what you're doing. Wine does not pair with cigars. No, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and people will drink, you know, like a cab. Here's the thing about smoking is that um, anybody who's had, um, and I'm talking about, like you said, fine tobacco, anybody yeah. who's had a pipe or a cigar, it imparts a pretty strong flavor. Even in, in the mildest cases, it's usually a pretty strong flavor that kind of stays there. Yeah, for um, sure. That tastes a little funky when paired with other stuff, unless it's a stronger flavor. Okay. Right. So that's why you see people drink beer. And in, in, in this case, the beer is such a different flavor and yeah. it's usually cold. It doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. That's but true. with the liquor, you're seeing a much, much stronger flavor kind of overpowering the cigar. So there's not really a pairing that's going on, though. Some people would say like cognac or, you know, uh, something along those lines or a sherry or a port. You know, if you're going to drink wine and try to pair it, I would do port. It's got a higher alcohol, much, much, much higher residual sugar. So it's got this big, full flavor that can kind of go with a cigar, but it's only one of those cases where I'd say do it. If you just have to smoke a cigar and you want to drink something other than beer or liquor, okay. use that. Otherwise don't because Otherwise you're work. really ruining the flavor of one. Um, and a lot of times both I've done, I've tried to drink wine with cigars before and it makes the cigar taste a little funny to me. I hate cigars. I've tried like a gazillion times to like yeah. them. I like the idea of a cigar, but, yeah. um, in practice, it just always, I wake up in the morning and I feel like a bear pooped in my mouth and <laughs> that's not, a, <laughs> that's not, it's not a great feeling for anybody can, out there. Can you, can try you like, Wait, uh, are you describing uh, smoking a cigar on one of your Tinder dates? What, what's going uh, on here? Yeah, you know what? That was that was one of those weird like, Tinder dates. So I feel I'm like that needs, that needs to be a review on a cigar. Tim. I woke up the yeah. I woke up the next morning and felt like a bear pooped in my mouth. It's, it just it's what it is, man. It's forced floor mixed with poop. That's just what they taste like. Well, and I'm telling you, man. I tell you what, if you smoke a cigar you're not getting kissed most of the time <laughs> it's just not gonna happen nobody pretty, wants pretty that in strong. their mouth nobody wants bear poop in their mouth too <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. and here was the big thing it never did anything for me i never got a buzz off of it i never had this good feeling i never got anything out of smoking a cigar other than waking up the next morning and like trying to pour bleach down my throat to get the taste out. That was it. And that doesn't work either, by the way. <laughs> lemon juice is what you need. Lemon yeah, there juice. you go. There you go. So you anyway, just don't just, found just the don't right do cigar. It. That's that's what that's just like you know, you that's, find the right olives. That's um, what I've been told. And I have tried a number of times. I'll keep trying too. I'm not, you know, I'm not done yet, but I, I have like a cigar to a year now. I tried like for six months with cigars like once a week and yeah. Like, come on, I spent five bucks on paper and dirt. <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know if you've tried I'm the pipe dumbest tobacco, person on the planet. But pipe tobacco so has a little, as much lighter than cigars. And you know, it does. Aromatic. Again, and, and your brother is a big, he's a big pipe smoker. Yeah. Um, and so he's, he's tried to get me in on that. And first of all, if I could just keep the damn thing lit, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just think I'm really bad at that. <laughs> Maybe that's just not my gifting. Yeah. Um, but it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't taste like it smells fantastic. I love yeah. the smell. Yeah, um, sure. That's really cool, but it just doesn't taste all that good to me. And uh, I'm just, I'm just not in for it. Um, there was something else. Hookah. I tried that. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, hookah sucked just about as much as uh, smoking a pipe because there was flavor. But again, there was like, there's no benefit. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the payoff? Hookah, Why terrible. am I doing this? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I think it it all depends kind of on your palate and what you're what you're smoking. Yeah, hookah's and, basically vaping without the electronics. So it's it's just slightly true. less douchey. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a no, whole, you feel like no, 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 a, no, quite a, a big douchebag when you're when you're doing that as well. <laughs> it's a whole different class of douchey. <laughs> a whole different yeah, class of douchey. It is. It's I, a it's an international douche. International <laughs> that's, that's yeah. I think when I think of hookah, when I think of hookah, I think of like the the Glendale like uh, the Glendale like bros that are like, hey, come in here, my friend, my friend, my friend. You know those guys? <laughs> the they're, sex like, no, they're like, they're like Ar- the Armenian guys that are always like trying to get you in the shops. That's what it makes me uh, think of. Awesome. About corks, uh, real cork, fake cork, screw top. Oh well, What's- that. that- that same question can be asked about a lot of things, uh, but real <laughs> is definitely <laughs> real is definitely the, uh, the the method of choice right now. I, so the whole purpose behind a cork is to allow the wine to be able to breathe a little bit, right? For air to kind of come in and out yeah. of the the bottle. You want it to continue to age and kind of develop in the bottle, so to speak. Um, you want to control that over time, but that's that's the whole goal. The problem with that is that the failure rate is somewhere around three to five percent, depending on what wine you're talking about the cheaper the wine the <clears throat> two buck chucks of the world um <laughs> tend to not spend a lot of money on the cork because they done. can't <laughs> and make a profit that's very difficult <laughs> i honestly don't know how they have a label glass and anything closing the wine for the price that they're charging for it much <laughs> well, less the fruit sugar. to go in it but nonetheless <laughs> um the uh i mean good corks can cost you a dollar dollar fifty a piece um okay. easy and in up from there, obviously, there's even more expensive corks. Um, that's a huge failure rate. I mean, no other industry in the world allows that kind of failure rate to happen. And essentially, it screws up the wine where air gets in at an uncontrolled pace and messes it up. So a lot of people wanted something more controlled. Um, you've got a, a winery out there that's selling $360 bottles that are supposed to last 25 years, and they do it with a Stelvin enclosure, which is a fancy word for a screw cap. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't want to say screw cap. <laughs> um, and so a lot of winemakers prefer screw caps because it, it, I mean, think about it. These guys are spending all kinds of hours and time in the vineyard away from family and friends, tasting a ton of wine when they really don't want to. I know that sounds weird, but at the end of the day, <laughs> you're, you're just like life. anything but wine, please. I've tasted it all day. Um, and then they get this amazing miracle of a product into a bottle, which is literally liquid art. It gets delivered to you and you go, ah, this, this sucks. I I don't like this wine because of a bad cork because of a dollar 50 or a dollar part in the process. It screws up the whole experience. And you think Chateau, you know, douchebag is terrible (laughs) when it's actually good. Right. And so a lot, they they switch to Stelvin enclosures. They have glass enclosures too, which are actually kind of cool. You see that a lot on uh, like Riesling and stuff like that from Europe. Um, But you'll, you'll also see the fake corks. I think people for a little while did that because it's a cheaper option and it's more consistent. You don't have the variability that you have with cork, but I think you're going to continue to see people using cork because can you imagine a waiter coming up to the table, a fine dining establishment, he's got a bow tie on, he's got his tuxedo, he's got the the white towel draped over. And instead of this, you know, process of screwing this in and pulling this out and handing you the cork, he just goes and hands you the, the lid. I mean, everybody's going to have buckets of these little screw cap lids at their house and not know what to do with them. They're going to make stuff out of them and never actually do it. It's not going to happen. Corks. There's something, there's something cool about a cork. And by the way, while I'm on that subject, subject, you you don't ever 
ever smell a cork to try to determine if wine is good. There's, <laughs> there's literally one in a thousand of you out there. And I know somebody's going to be like, dude, I can totally smell it. Fantastic. You're the one. Okay. None of your <laughs> friends can, they're all faking it. You, when you, when you smell a wine, what, what is the one thing you don't want wine to smell like? Uh, Cork. Cork, yeah. I was going to say cork or taint, <laughs> which that seems to be the opposite. It's very, very good guess, Jordan. That's number two. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended there either. Um, the, uh, that way you know the, the sommelier is, is not above board right there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it, it's uh, you don't want it to smell like cork. What does cork smell like? Cork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't do you any good. What you want to do is take a look at the cork and see where the wine is on it, right? Yeah. A great cork is going to be, um, you know, right at the very edge. There may be just a little bit. I mean, I'm talking like a centimeter or two centimeters, something like that. Um, but if you start to see runners, like you see color coming down the cork all the way to the top or a, cons- a large portion of the cork has wine up to like halfway or something like that, you can bet it, that you, you, you've got a bottle that's been damaged by heat or some other uh, problem, maybe a faulty cork. Um, in that case at the restaurant, literally, if you've never had this wine and you don't know what it tastes like, you're going to taste it and it's going to have muted fruit. Basically, it's just going to feel like, nah, this isn't all that good. Yeah. Just don't even do it. If if you have the psalm come over and taste the wine and tell you if it's correct, right? If it's okay, then you can drink it. Most of the time in heat damage, if it's not too bad, you won't be able to tell a difference. It won't affect the fruit that much. But in a lot of cases, you'll taste it and it'll be off. And if you know the wine, you'll, you'll be able to tell the difference. If you don't, you just won't like the wine. Yeah. The way that this process works, don't be afraid to send it back. Tell the song, hey, I'd like to just get another bottle if we can, because this one, the cork is damaged here. Um, and they will put the cork back in the bottle. They'll call the vendor. The vendor will come pick up the wine, and they'll take it and return it to the winery. And the winery will actually say thank you, yeah. because they want to make sure that when you experience their product, that you experience it when it's perfect. Yeah, And so you'll come back and buy it again. And so they pulled kind of a bad product off the market. So they're totally cool with it. Restaurants typically won't give you a hard time. I, now, I put this to the test one time. I returned a $600 bottle um, because it was bad. And that's, that's and a big one to swallow. It, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. Don't you be that guy. I drank 75% of it, man, but it just wasn't there. I wanted to give it a chance. <laughs> no, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> Um, but you can tell too, in a smell, if it smells like wet gym socks, that's also not a quality that we intend to be in wine. So <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like that. That's an easy one. Note. Yeah. You, oh. you would think it'd be easy for everybody to understand. <laughs> well, Gerald, if people want to find you, where can they find you? And let's, uh, where, where, where can they buy some, some, uh, some wine, uh, from a simple kind of, uh, you know, simple, simple process, simplified process there, right? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. You say that simplified wine.com. Uh, uh, we're actually at this moment going through kind of a website change. We'll be done with it hopefully in the next few weeks, but check us out there. Uh, or you can find me, tweet me your questions at G Morgan Jr. That's uh, G Morgan Jr. Um, and I'm more than happy Twitter to make handle. recommendations. Thank you. Yes. Your brother started the, the, the worst Twitter handle in the business. It's like, oh, thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> I can think of a few choice words I can call you, <laughs> but not right now. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those things. You don't have a good comeback for it. Yeah, right? yeah, it says yeah, it, like, right, yeah. yeah, it's like Doug from uh, Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. That's your. That's his comeback. Um, anyway. <laughs> and then nothing. <laughs> and then nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, man, thank you so much for doing this, and we'll have to have you yeah. back on later. It'll be fun. Let to, me know. I'd love to I do it. Once I start learning wine a little more, I'll ask you that's some right. more questions. More than two buck Chuck, my friend. 
than more than two buck chuck. <laughs> All right. All right. We're going to go to a quick break and we'll be back uh, with the finale, the grand finale. This part of the show is brought to you by Phoenix Shaving, makers of the most excellent aftershaves, shaving soaps, and all things traditional man. One of my favorite products of theirs are their aftershaves. Phoenix Shaving intentionally blurs the lines between traditional aftershave and classic cologne. Each batch of aftershave cologne is created by using traditional perfuming methods, giving the wearer a high dose of quality skin food matched by the staying power of berry white. Now, I tell you, this stuff is amazing. It'll it'll make your skin feel great after a shave, and the alum and menthol just removes all irritation and razor bumps. Um, they have classic barber scents and even more creative soap and aftershave fragrances. Like, my favorite is the Tombstone scent. It smells like leather, tobacco, and gunpowder. Pretty unique. So ditch those vials of chemicals you buy at the drugstore every month and grab some artisan soap and aftershaves from Phoenix Shaving. Go to GentlemanScofflaw.com slash shave to help support the show and get some fantastic manly grooming products. Phoenix Shaving. Shaving outside the box. All right. Uh, that was uh, another another great segment. Uh, uh, we get some great guests here. The Doritos are gone. The Doritos are gone. Yeah, I've, I've eaten all of them. Oh, well, <laughs> Drank you, most of the wine. You. Um, all right. Um, a quick little announcement here. We're going to have uh, Eric uh, Anderson, our, our, our therapist, our Great resident guy. therapist here um, on the Gentleman's Golf Law Podcast, do a new segment. Uh, so if you have any questions you've ever wanted to ask a therapist, you could ask it anonymously or anonymously, however you want, um, and he's going to answer them. So make sure that you uh, wait, John. Did he just say anonymously or anonymously? Or, no, I said or anonymously, anonymously, because the a the a cancels out the anonymous. Oh, weird! I've never heard anybody uh, say that. I, I, I think I made it up. I don't think it's a thing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to call you out for your for your bullshit. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, send those in to gentlemanscofflaw at gmail.com or you could call man81scoff with two F's and leave a voicemail. Uh, and your question will be read on the show and Eric will answer them. Um, also, we have another giveaway. We're giving away a uh, Phoenix aftershave and cologne, and it's the CAD scent, which, John, you're, you're a fan of the CAD, aren't you? I am. I am a cad. Yeah. Tell us about the cad. Tell us about the cad, John. Oh, I should have prepared something actually. <laughs> it's quite wonderful. <laughs> yeah. It has hints of a uh, of. <laughs> it has a sousson of manliness. Sousson <laughs> and a hint of a uh, of, of a broken vacuum. <laughs> it has a nice bouquet really. that you'll carry with you the whole day. It'll it'll make the, the in the, a good way. <laughs> I myself have um, even when I'm not going out, I will throw some of Phoenix's. Uh, in this case, I think it's sundown aftershave. Yeah, on my face, just to give me the the feel. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not good. it's not so much about It'll how wake other you people. up. It well, does, yeah. yeah, it really does, yeah. Especially I, after a shave. I'm a fan of the Tombstone, and I use that all the time. Even if I don't oh, yeah, shave that day, great. I use it as my my cologne, and uh, I get a lot of compliments. People are like, "Oh, you smell like a gunfight." 
<laughs> Did the cops say that to you <laughs> as, they're, as they're zip tying you to the back of the car? <laughs> sir, you sound like a gunfight. Uh, we're going to have to pr- play, please, please put your hands on the back of your head, sir. So if you want to enter the giveaway, you could go to our Instagram at gentscofflaw. If you just want to buy some of your own, you can go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash shave. Um, and that link, that affiliate link will help support the show. Also, why not get a t-shirt? Or a flask, yeah. or like a like a like a mug to support the show, so you could keep it at work, and you know, maybe not the flask at work, but maybe your coffee mug <laughs> might be a depends good thing. Depends on what kind of day at work. It's a you're good having. way to tell people about the show, um, and uh, you know, uh, get, get the word out there, and also, uh, you know, if you get something, take a picture, send it to us, uh, we'll retweet it. All right, guys, uh, Johnny boy, you are a gentleman in a scoffle, my friend. You guys as well. You are gentlemen scofflaw, my friend. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, and uh, you both are gentlemen and scofflaws. Just keep scofflawing on. I feel like I, I have to say it to you now because that one episode you went full bitch when I didn't say it to you. When I did it to the two of you. So, Excuse me. Uh, so, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> All right, uh, shots fired, everybody. <laughs> All right, you guys. On that note, you guys have a great week. This has been the Gentleman Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says, his ass on the river, we ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do. Hey! Shiver, rock and shine, we got work.